The Body Talks Podcast. Exploring the wisdom within us. Welcome to the Body Talks Podcast. On this episode, I speak with my close friend, Penny Murray, a Pilates teacher who has made her professional life about the study and exploration of human movement, first as a professional ballet dancer and then as a Pilates teacher. She taught Pilates in the top studios in the 90s and, like me, was in one of the early waves of teachers that spread Pilates to mainstream Australia at the beginning of the 2000s. She owns and teaches within her studio Body and Song in the eastern suburbs in inner Sydney. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, dear friend, Penny Murray. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> the Pilates method is a very well worked out exercise methodology for rehabilitation and many aspects of human biomechanics. Applying a spectrum of modifications to the base set of these exercises, it can be used for many different populations from bodies rehabilitating to bodies wanting a general fitness workout. Where do you start, Penny, with a new client who has come to you for Pilates with a capital P per se? I mostly seem to firstly sort of attract a client that is less on the fitness scale and probably more on the chronic pain scale. <laughs> so I'm often their last resort for for help to ease discomfort or repattern their body to help feel good. Mm. I generally, you know, I really look at the person as a whole. It's not just movement I'm looking at. It's attitude, how that creates posture and different postures in certain people. And I guess how they, whether they are a self-manager or they outsource to manage their pain. So Ooh, tell, tell me about that idea a bit more. So, you know, there's, there's different types of characters, I guess, and we've all, I think, deserve help at some point, but a lot of people outsource their management and perhaps don't take responsibility for their bodies themselves. So they may have had good information from various people, but they haven't implemented the information. And sometimes then it takes perhaps an extra person or, you know, that next person to say the same thing <laughs> for the, how I don't know, 20th time for them to hear it. It just depends, mm. I guess, on the person. But I think it's important to know that when you're starting with someone because, if they're just looking for someone to fix them, uh, I'm not really that person. Does that make sense? Mm. They so need to be to on the journey with me. Yeah, and they have to have arrived at a place where they're ready where to help you. Ready to help <laughs> themselves. There is a reason, yes. Yeah. Every exercise you choose to give them, you prescribe per se, comes from a deep understanding of flow for many, many years of working with bodies and tuning into where your client is right at each moment of the lesson of their day, of their week even. The way you work with the level of customization is not scalable, we could say, but that's a whole other conversation. 
after many years of teaching, you must have developed a methodology in a way, a mode of delivery that suits you and has seen you get positive results in your clients. So is there some patterns, some general guidelines that you've developed just from teaching so much that you've shaped over time? Any quirks? Any quirks? Um, I'm very I'm very passionate about calming down the nervous system as mm-hmm. a, a start point. So, you know, particularly with the demographic of clients I have, their older chronic pain, you know, when people are in pain, their nervous systems are basically shot and if you don't start at a point where they calm their nervous system down, then you're really not going to get anywhere. Then that leads into sensory retraining, I guess, so being able to feel their body. So everything I do initially and often for quite some time is very slow. It's very directed at getting clients to sense where they are in space so they can then create the change on the outside as well because if you can't feel, you can't change it outside the space that I'm in. So tell me about slow movement because in my many years of teaching too, slow was very important because it gives that system time and also, as you just said, relate to the space and the environment. So can you tell me a little bit about that, how you pace or that, yeah, that why slow? The slower movement, number one, calms the nervous system. That's one of the major things, but it also gives the client a chance to feel what might be going amiss in their body that's creating pain. Without the the slow application, you really just go into habit and the Mm -hmm. habit is generally what forms the discomfort longer term. If you're not slow, it's just messaging the same type to the to the body the same type of pattern way you've been going about things yeah so I guess it's like anything you know because obviously the movement in the body relates to the psychology of the body and the mind as well you've got to be willing to look and feel that to create change are there any indicators that you've just seen that become common indicators over time of certain psychologies that that are expressed through a type of movement a client walks in with or a type of posture? Are there any sort of this equals this? Is um, it that easy? <laughs> not really. <laughs> Look, if I'm being very general, you know, you take a, a depressed person and often, often you know, you would see their posture being more drawn inward and downward, things like that. Someone who's quite guarded would be more of probably a lead posture with their chest, you know, so they've sort of created an armour around themselves. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you perhaps do see some generalised larger posture, but then I think when you look, when, when you once you get to know the person and then you delve into... The, the subtleties of their body, there generally isn't exactly the same thing 
going on regardless of whether the attitude is the same because everyone experiences life differently and Mm. experiences movement differently and that sits differently in their body. And that's what leads me into my next question. My approach over the years of teaching was to honour the body that walked in the door, as you do, and to respect the way the person had adapted their muscles and mechanics and mindset and everything to survive ostensibly Mm. at the base level. And I mean, by respect, getting a picture of how they moved before, in inverted commas, sort of coaching them out of it with Pilates, which we both, which I know you don't do. And often clients just can't do general Pilates exercises to start with, and that's not the the clients you're attracting anyway. But this forced me to go deeper into the base of the exercise I initially wanted to prescribe to teach them the essence of what that exercise was asking of them. For example, a pelvic rock back and forward in Pilates Mm -hmm. would come down to can you relax the pelvic muscles and deep glutes and gently contract sort of in that rock? Or even deeper, can you just for me breathe air into the pelvis area and breathe out that air again? So do you find there is a tension between wanting to deliver clients a picture of their potential for freedom of movement and grace and where those Pilates principles are really flowing through the body and being expressed by the body and meeting them where they're at? which may be way back down to the seed, you know, the essence of that exercise. Do you find that tension there or are you at peace with using what you've got, which is meeting them where they're at? I think I previously did have a tension around perhaps I'm not sure I completely understood the question, but I think around wanting more if they want more out of the session in a different way to what I see appropriate is that sort of yeah. where you're... just having come from a dance and a, a a movement background and and knowing how the body can move in this marvelous way and mm. and be free through a discipline through mm. a discipline of dance or through a, a discipline of pilates there was uh, for me that want to just to deliver that that to the this client that walked in the door and then the tension would arise when I they couldn't they couldn't even do the exercise which would take them towards that freedom of movement. So you'd have to really work back down to okay, well what am I actually wanting to what am I prescribing this exercise and what am I wanting for this client in this in this movement. So yeah, that that's that was just that was my attention. So I'm just wondering if you had the same. I think yes, to a degree. Previously, I wouldn't say so much now. I think that tension for me, perhaps translated to the clients because it was within my own body, mm. because of my, you know, don't like the word, but journey <laughs> through <laughs> from becoming a very very capable mover. Mm losing that ability through whatever my experiences were that's irrelevant but having to come back to the slow the basic the nervous system every time I pushed myself out of that space I would basically trigger 
either a chronic pain reaction. So I had to really accept in myself that this is where I sat and until I did that in my own body, I think I probably expected more of those clients who, who again, were not in a fantastic space or wanted more for them faster than it was possible. Because mm, you're coming from your own experience. Now, I, I mm. think I don't do that. I really just sit in where it needs to be and it's, you know, in all honesty, it takes years and years and the change when people go there to really fine-tune and check in with their bodies to the depth that I think creates a freedom mm. is just well, it's actually quite liberating when you start to see that and their realisation and that's absolutely brilliant. It's mm. it's the best, it's, but it, it is a massive process. Yes, yeah. process and layers and layers and layers and then which you think is the going inwards is actually creating the freedom. Mm. You hold a long-standing devoted clientele for over a decade, some clients, Every method has a scope and a limit to how far it can be taken. Have you found that limit with Pilates? If so, what are the other influences or methods that you bring to your clients and, and how have they been effective? So it's sort of a, a twofold question. But based on, on that last comment with the layers, maybe not. Maybe you haven't found the limit yet, but <laughs> what other, I'd be interested to know what other influences you're bringing in as well. You know, you know obviously dance has been a big one over the years. Uh, uh, the sound work that I've explored, which I have to say since having a child I haven't explored as much of. <laughs> but that work, I guess, the, the sound work particularly was, again, a, a search for truth in some way. So if you meet the body at a certain vibration, there's a, there's a real truth to that. And then also to be able to calm the nervous system once more and move energy out that was not serving the body or the mind. So that was a tool. So tell me about that truth. First, you were testing this on your own body yes. and then you wanted this for your clients. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, look, it, sound is a very, what's the word? It's, a, it's a personal choice really. Like I have uh, encouraged some clients to explore it if they're open to it. I found the voice-based work quite powerful. So very occasionally when the, you know, the studio is quiet, I encourage people to use whether it's a different breath, creating sound with their movement to just move perhaps an attitude or psychology out of their body that's holding them in a certain posture, mm. obviously as safely as I know how. <laughs> and then just by doing that, you, you move them out of a, a space to be more open to movement well they're changed yeah. I mean whether yeah they're changed at the next whether it's the next exercise or if it is that yeah that change at the at the sound vibrational level and when did you find this sound work how long ago was that that is a good question <laughs> 
maybe maybe 10 years ago. And you're using the bowls as well, the singing bowls? Yeah, I started with the voice and then I used crystal bowls, mm. Tibetan bowls and also drums and various sort of, I guess, more shamanic tools as well. I was very strongly influenced by a woman who's trained a lot in Peru under the shaman. She's amazing. She's a powerhouse mm. and very powerful presenter. So she she basically empowers whoever's with her or in a session or in a room with her to to find their inner strength and move through it, which, again, is very much in line with what I believe is, you know, you really need to help yourself. You can't be a victim in this world for too long, even if you've had a terrible experience because it holds you in a space that isn't an advocate of change. It's, it, it, yes, and it's not you're almost frozen and not contributing back. You're not able to contribute back to society. And if that's part of a whole body health, is is that is that part being part of society, then you do have to face those traumas that have been overlaid on your body or those rules or those constructs or mm. going on a lot about this. And because really why why we're talking about the body is because it is so innately intelligent it's actually doing the work to li- to get back to listening to it because it's actually there that yeah. you know that uncovering as you said the layers it just doesn't lie i think is the mm. the beauty of the body is yeah it, it is so honest in its presentation, whether it's pain, joy, whatever that is. And even if you can't tap into that, you can see it externally in the tissue, mm. in mm. yeah, in the postural habits, in the way people speak and, you know, obviously <laughs> our own bodies too. But I, I, I think that's probably the, the major driver for me is that I'm a bit of, a, bit of a truth seeker. <laughs> I love unpatterning. I love finding the essence of who we are without the, I'm going to say the word crap, <laughs> of life yeah, yeah, that has been put upon us or that we've interpreted a certain way because really we aren't those things. No. Signature questions for to finish. Where is your favourite place to sit? So it can be literally a favourite chair spot in the house. It could be on a train, plane, tram, bus, cafe. <laughs> My favourite place to sit, probably in nature at the moment. It's a, a little local beach that just has some park benches. It's just a little harbour beach. So when I get a moment whether it's between work and home, I, I do do quite like walking past there, having a moment, even if it's like just a five-minute Spectacular. Perch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say and that's my favourite spot. <laughs> what is your favourite way to move? So <laughs> but it can be I'm talking gardening, cooking, playing with your child, a particular type of exercise, just moving in the ocean, it, you know, it's it's broad. Yeah, I do love water, you know. 
I love that shift out of winter into spring and summer and that first delve into the ocean. I think there's, you know, sort of wakes you up, number one, because it's freezing. <laughs> I love the feedback of water. Yeah. You know, it's quite, you know, even though it's volatile as an element, it's um, it's quite nurturing too because it hugs you when you're yeah, in there. it's so immediate, but it, it really tells you where it's at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very clear. So I love that. And I also love and have grown to enormously love slow movement because it brings me home to a place of rest, relaxation, and I think actually makes me a better person. <laughs> a slow movement advocate, yes. Annie Murray. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. If people want to find you and work with you, I will, I'm putting the Penny's details in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Body Talks. Please hit the subscribe button in your pod player and check out the show notes to find links to the concepts raised in the show. For more resources and to dig deeper, head over to the website thebodytalks.net.